Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. Naira Bets players enjoy world-class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign-up bonus up to $200. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on a Monday morning. Brendan, after the Chicago Cubs won the Super Bowl. Wait, uh, no, that's not how that works, is it? Yeah, I don't know, man. You know, we're recording this on a Sunday before the Super Bowl. I, I gotta say, I, I don't really want the Patriots to win, but... Just seeing Los Angeles lose another championship, I, I can't. I can't root against that. That's got to happen for me. So I'm going for the Patriots. To Boston, no less. Uh, a growing theme here, but uh, yeah, that's I guess. Okay. I guess that's allowed. I, I was just trying to figure out if there was a way for us to shoehorn the Cubs into the the topic of the Super Bowl, but there there's really not a good way to do that. But. I mean, just think about it. You have the Dodgers losing back-to-back World Series, which is incredible. And then to follow up with a with losing a Super Bowl, that would just be the icing on the cake, Corey. So yeah, I'm rooting. You only know, I don't, only I don't care so as much Patriots, to you whatever. and I, though. I don't know that all of our listeners necessarily hate the city of Los Angeles with as much of a passion as we do. But look, you come to Los Angeles, that, you go to a Cubs game in Dodger Stadium, we will true. share our That sentiment. is very true. You could grow into that hatred yeah. very quickly. But... I suppose it, it's not a surprise that that's kind of where things start, Brendan, because uh, stop me if you guys have heard this before, but we're we're still in this offseason, and the major free agents, Harper, Machado, Keuchel, Kimbrell, etc., uh, still do not have a new place to call home. So 
So we are, uh, like Brendan said, recording this on February 3rd, February 4th, of course, when you guys are listening to this on Monday morning, means we are, uh, you know, nearing under two weeks before teams are officially reporting. Pitchers and catchers showing up to spring training, workouts beginning. As you guys have already seen, if you follow a lot of the Cubs on social media, uh, like I know Rizzo was at this, you know, the Mesa Complex this past weekend. Uh, Jason Hayward is usually an, an early member there. You Darvish has been there. So Hendricks is there too. I think he lives there during the uh, the yeah, winter. Yeah, so you know, it's all just to say that some of these Cubs, I'm sure with other teams, but obviously we don't follow those other teams, but some of these Cubs are already there and these guys don't even have teams yet. And really, you know, if you're kind of keeping track with all the, especially Bryce Harper and Manny Machado stuff, you know, we were hearing earlier this week that teams are still trying to set up meetings with these guys. So ridiculous. it it may (laughs) not even be something that's, uh, you know, reaching a resolution soon. Uh, the, the Cubs though, Brendan continue to make some minor, additions as as we heard you know kind of around CubsCon that they were not going to be done adding pitching talent and and bodies just to the overall system and they make a couple of moves here this week and uh they they sign a couple older guys but a couple guys uh that you know seem at least just in in perusing their data worth taking a little flyer on and you know seeing what happens through the spring training process etc so they sign Tony Barnett and Luke Hagerty. And Hagerty, a much more, I think, Brendan, interesting story uh, than Barnett. But Barnett spent, uh, I think, around five years in the NPB, Japan's Professional Baseball League, uh, with the Yakut Swallows, putting up some good numbers over there. He's a righty, so he'll join the Cubs. He was with uh, he was in the majors last year until he suffered an injury and was having a decent season. So, you know, a, a guy, uh, again, you know, worth, I think, taking a flyer on and just adding to, as we talked about uh, last episode when the Cubs added, I think it was three or four of these kind of similar names. Yeah, three. Uh, you know, just add these bodies. You, you get some interesting types, a lot of guys with, with differing stories and, you know, where they are in their career and stuff like that. But you just kind of hope to to piece it together. But what did you, did, did you have anything in particular on either of these guys, Brendan? Yeah, I, I think the Tony Barnett one's going to be more impactful just because of his recent success. You know, to, to rely on Barnett or rather to expect a lot out of Barnett might be pushing it. He's 35 years old. He's coming off of a shoulder injury, which typically have a little bit more difficult returns for, uh, from. So I, I don't know. I'm not really expecting a lot from Barnett, but if he does come out... And he shows that he's the same guy from 2018, 2017, 2016. Then, yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, his best year was in 2016 when he was 32-33, had a 2.09 ERA in 60 innings, a 3.38 FIP. In 2017, he kind of regressed, but he still had a pretty high K rate of about nine batters per inning, had some problems with the home run ball for whatever reason, and then his ERA was 5.5 in that 2017 season. As he said, Corey, before a shoulder injury ended his 2018 year, he had 26 innings, a 2.39 ERA, a 2.97 FIP. And again, his, his, his uh, K per nine was still around nine. The difference between last year and 2017 was that he suddenly started to get more ground balls. 
and that actually is in a relatively stable sample size. So whatever he did differently, maybe if he comes back healthy in 2019, gets more grounders in front of that good Cubs defense, continues to get strikeouts, continues to show good command, he should be valuable. My question is, can this guy come back from a shoulder injury right. at this age? And that's well, and Brendan. I just wanted to jump in and say that he he did rack up 97 saves in his uh, six years over in Japan. So obviously, you know, this is dating back to 2015. So, you know, obviously he's in a different place uh, physically and and just in his career. But this is someone who, at least in in some baseball, you know, professional setting, does have back end of the bullpen save experience, which is, you know, just an always uh, nice thing to keep in mind. Yeah, and I think playing in Japan in a foreign environment for five years, it does kind of give you a different level of confidence, I think. You're used to drastically different environments playing baseball there. So I don't think, compared to, I don't know, maybe like someone like Dylan Maples, I don't think Barnett's going to be phased as much in a higher leverage situation which could be good for the Cubs if they need more depth in those 7th, 8th, and ninth innings, given some of their recent injuries with C.J. Edwards, with uh, Brandon Morrow, of course, and Pedro Strobe. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. My expectations are low. However, if he's healthy, and that's really why my expectations are low, I think he could be very valuable. I think it's a good pickup. It provides more depth. They gave him a 40-man spot. He's going to make the big league team. And from there on out, we'll see what happens. But I don't hate the move. Um, If anything, if he comes back healthy, it could be one of the better steals of the offseason for the Cubs. Yeah, absolutely. And again, uh, you know, we've we've cautioned against heading into the deeper pool, the more expensive pool of the relievers in the free agent market. the, The caveat with that being if you do see a situation where these guys don't sign and, you know, you can get Craig Kimbrell for pennies on the dollar on a shorter term deal, you know, that would be lovely. I would definitely consider that. And and with the way this offseason has progressed, it doesn't seem out of the question that something like that presents itself. Uh, Can I pose a question to you with that thought? And we talked about it pretty frequently in the past few episodes, but with Ben Zobris' name consistently being brought up in trade rumors, you know where I'm going with this. If the Cubs deal Zobrist away, you know, they get rid of his $12 million luxury tax uh, uh, issue, would you do that to get Craig Kimbrell? Oh, man. Um, I know. Without knowing the, the, the details of Kimbrell, My whatever, initial reaction is no. Um, and I guess I say that for two reasons. You know, one— Kimbrell is getting up there in age a little bit, and you know his second half splits and and his overall performance in that playoffs last year were a little concerning. Almost, you know, somewhat reminiscent. And this is obviously you know me watching the Red Sox uh, very much on like the periphery, but yeah. it reminded me a little bit of Wade Davis somewhat in those playoffs, giving mm-hmm. up a lot of deep fly balls. Like I think he gives up a you know a couple close calls in that series against the Yankees this past postseason. We were thinking, okay, like he got the out, but that really looked like a home run. Like that guy got that ball and, you know, maybe we should, you know, remember that. And at this point, unless it's moving pieces to add more offense, I would be concerned moving Zobris bat from this lineup. I just think that until we see that, that, you know, the internal improvements that the front office has been preaching – 
are, are coming from some of these younger guys, I don't really, I think you should be adding more bats like Ben Zobrist, uh, not necessarily looking to get rid of them. Again, unless it's going to improve the overall state of the offense. But I think given that we haven't seen enough changes there, and there's you know still a boatload of questions as we turn the calendar to 2019, I'm not super interested in, in, in trading Ben Zobrist, especially because to this point, we haven't seen any sign that he's not just going to be Ben Zobrist. Like, of course, he's getting older. He's going to be a little slower, you know, not necessarily uh, as agile in the field or whatever. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, he looks like he's primed and ready to put out another classic Ben Zobrist slash line and season. So I, I'm not, yeah, no, my initial reaction to that is no. But the, the idea of having somebody like Kimbrell in that bullpen, whether I'm, you know, completely sold on what he's going to do going forward or not, is intriguing nonetheless. It, it does sound nice. And when you kind of look at that depth chart uh, of the bullpen, when you put someone like that in there, it does make you feel more comfortable. But no, I'm going to hold on to Ben Zobris for now. The Wade Davis comparison was spot on, Corey. So Thanks. last year, it's nice. Yeah, of I'm going to give you credit when credit is due. You know, it doesn't happen that often. So I got to throw it out to you when I can. But Craig Kimbrell last year, his walk rate in the second half was almost seven per nine. That's that's yeah. Too well, high. and that's the that's last way, thing the Cubs bullpen yeah. needs. Is, and that's the last yeah. thing personally I need. I can't. I can't be doing that. Um, and overall, his second half numbers just were not good. His FIP was higher. His ERA was around five compared to his ERA in the first half of around two. Just not good. I don't know what happened there. Um, so I, get, I think I'm with you. My initial reaction is no, but maybe catch me on a different day and I might switch my thoughts. I I don't know why Kimbrell did this. That's that's very bizarre. My my belief is that maybe he was dealing with an injury, which mm-hmm. again is something that I don't want to deal right. with myself. So yeah, I think my initial reaction is no, but if he's healthy and the Cubs have confidence that last year's second half was an outlier, I, may, I actually may consider that, Corey. But if if there are legitimate concerns about Kimbrell's health, absolutely no, not doing that. I mean, we've already got deal plenty of that. Can't do it. Yeah, Can't we do- can't do it. Not trying I can't, to build I can't a... be stressing out about C.J. Edwards, Brandon Morrow, and an injured Craig Kimbrell. Can't do that. Right. But, uh, you know, again, it is something to, I guess, at least just keep in mind that, you know, as we get closer to spring training, you never know the kind of deals that may be on the table just to get guys, uh, you know, in a system, get them a contract. And, you know, if they want to revisit this free agent thing in a year or something like that, you know, you never know what's going what's gonna to happen. We're kind of in a weird spot in terms of this this baseball free agency and, and the offseason. You know, it's it's kind of hard to predict at this point. Again, we're, you know, under two weeks from these guys needing to report. We already saw last season with someone like Arietta being delayed for, you know, not re- signing and reporting on time. Sure. So, you know, anything sort of seems on the table. Um, yeah, not, not to be, you know, a Debbie Downer here. But no, with, you? <laughs> I know, me. But when Darvish signed last year with the Cubs, at the time he signed, you know, it does delay his his transition with the Cubs. And mm-hmm. look, I'm not saying his elbow injury was because of that, but it does help the Cubs coaching staff, the medical staff, the player himself to get acclimated to the team when they sign not three days before spring right. training. So, 
Yeah, it's just, I can't believe we're doing this for a second year where you have the majority of the big guys in the market not signed. That's, that's, yeah, and that's bizarre. Come on. You know, some of the reports that are getting out there are that some of these not necessarily top guys are, are getting a little frustrated with this. You know, they want Bryce and Manny to end up with as much money as possible. But if you're one of those guys, you know, a, a tier or so below those two, you know, you may be looking at it like, guys, I, I need you to hurry this up because nobody knows or is willing to commit <laughs> money to me uh, unless yeah. they know they're either in or out on you. So it, it does create a, a rather interesting situation. As Brent and I have said before, kind of seems like something that's not going to end well at, you know, at a certain point, uh, you know, for the Players Association and obviously ultimately the fans who are the ones that have to deal with whatever happens, but just sort of seems like we're headed towards something like that because, again, you have this boatload of free agents who uh, have no clue where they're going as, you know, the Cubs, it's funny too, Brendan, because the Cubs, I, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago that it's like the true sign of that spring is here, but the Cubs did it a couple days ago. They they tweeted out the video of them loading up the big truck. I know that was funny. And, and sending it out <laughs> to spring training. So like the equipment is already on its way. And some of these players, you know, are literally still setting up meetings uh, across the country with, with their agents and the teams. But I do, I do want to at least mention this uh, Luke Hagerty thing, just because it's a rather fascinating story, and, and yeah. you know, especially throughout spring training, uh, when you know you're not always seeing the big boys in the lineup, and uh, especially if you make it out to Arizona, which you should, you know, you'll you'll see some of these guys in these games. Obviously, it's not going to be. Uh, I, I wish it was just John Lester all the time, but it can't be. You know, we all just kind of have to come to reality with that. So it's an interesting story. And if and if we end up seeing uh, a little more of this guy, it, it's just an interesting thing to remember. So he's originally drafted by the Cubs in 2002. And, you know, long story short, you know, gives up on his dream in, uh, I think, after the 2008 season. Fast forward to uh, recently, this past year, he is at, uh, this year, I mean earlier in, in January, he's at Driveline Baseball's Pro Day. And if you're not familiar with the Driveline Baseball stuff, a lot of the pitchers, uh, a lot of pitchers use these technologies and uh, develop more speed, more velocity on their pitches, more spin. Uh, but it's basically kind of a high-tech coaching arena, uh, so to speak. That's kind of putting it simply, I guess. But uh, there's a lot of tools, a lot of high-speed cameras, a lot of tracking that allows uh, these coaches and pitchers to really dial in on how they can improve. And a lot of these guys show results. Trevor Bauer uh, is one of the major league examples of someone who uses these technologies to their advantage to really drastically change what they are able to do on the mound and their overall profile as a pitcher. Um, But Hagerty, who will turn 38 on April 1st of this year shows up and is tossing 97 miles an hour. Brendan, yeah. this is at 38 years old, not having pitched professionally since 2008. So this is a rather interesting situation. W- w- would you say, Brendan? Have you seen the movie The Rookie with uh, Dennis Quaid? I have. Okay. This is like this is like that, mm-hmm. like 2.0. So one of my... Uh, so you're saying buddies. Hagerty was was throwing in a in a, a like a cornfield the other day with the lights <laughs> of his pickup truck? 
<laughs> hey, in Arizona, that, that actually yeah. is possible. Rather than a cornfield, it's a desert. But uh, yeah, he was in Arizona for a while too. So one of my good buddies actually worked with Haggerty part-time in his gym. So Haggerty owned his own gym. He threw, he trained people, and yeah, my friend got to work with him directly. And it's remarkable. I think it's one of the cooler stories to follow, even if you're not a Cubs fan, someone who hasn't played for a decade. He was, a, by the way, a former first-round draft pick by the Cubs and gets signed a decade later, or rather 17 later, uh, 17 years later for him, by the same team. So I think, I think it's incredibly cool. His actual release point, if you go watch a video of him, it's pretty funky. So he's throwing 97 using this kind of unorthodox delivery. It's, it's, it's pretty cool looking. It almost reminds me of like um, a less dramatic version of Steve Cizek from the mm-hmm. left-handed side. He, he just has a, it's just a weird, go check it out. It's all over YouTube, Twitter, et cetera. So I, I like it. It'll be fun to follow. Again, expectations are going to be rather low naturally, but if he comes and makes it back to the big leagues, that's going to be a major story. Yeah. And I think for someone like or for a team like the Cubs, that's that sometimes is a morale booster. And I can see the team in the clubhouse really rallying around someone like that, especially with all the negative PR the Cubs have gotten, you know, justifiably so. It, it's, it's a nice little shift from all the negative news we've heard over the past two months. Little did I know when I joined Kaiser Permanente that it would be on my top 10 list for what has made this year great. I can see my physician, I can be referred to the lab, I can then be referred to the pharmacy, all in the same building. You, you've got it all. I mean, it's it's quality of care, it's compassion of care, it's convenience of care. It's true. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan, the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101, East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. Yeah, it just is. It's an interesting thing to follow along with. It's really one of those kind of crazy stories that when this came out over the last few days of the last week or so, you're kind of doing a double take almost reading it like what? And, (laughs) you know, look, the guy's pumping 97 miles an hour. We've, you know, we've seen that velocity doesn't always mean the world. But again, you know, especially in the in the Cubs situation, if you're in a position to just try to fill out this bullpen. Like you, you never know what somebody can do. And you know, if if he looks good, it's yeah, it's a, a rather fascinating, kind of incredible story uh, mm-hmm. to follow along with. And and yeah, it's it's one of those things where even if he was making a comeback, just in general, it it's a rather interesting, kind of inspiring story. Uh, but the fact that it's you know he's he's returned to the team that drafted him nearly you know over a decade later it's just it's it's quite the story so i i will certainly be rooting for him and it would be really something if uh he's able to you know make the major league team and provide you know any value to this team that would really be uh quite the story if they're ultimately able to you know write that last chapter but mm. i want to circle back to someone that you mentioned uh before and that was none other than you darvish uh, we are here in the off season, and 
He's been throwing, Brendan. He's been posting uh, on his social media. He's he's a hustler in that regard. I always appreciate that. You know, he's putting out his own content a lot, uh, which is which is nice to follow along with. Though sometimes on Twitter he goes on pretty long strings of tweets in Japanese that the Twitter translate feature doesn't really do a great job on. So sometimes I have no clue what he's actually talking about. Sometimes I get concerned. You know, the guy fires off ten tweets in a row about something you're thinking. <laughs> Man, I really wish I, I knew what he was talking about. But yeah, one of my uh, one of my coworkers is from Japan, so whenever that happens, I like sprint yeah, you, over you to his check desk. It out. So I'm like, "Yo, you need to read this to me right now." Yeah, a panic attack. Right, Brand, Brendan. Brendan's concerned. What is he saying? Is he demanding what a trade? How's his arm? How's so he tweeted about his like checkpoints in his release points. So that scared the hell out of me. But yeah, and he seems like a very. Good. And I think we knew this, Brendan. But he he seems he's a very. Um, invested person in you know his his work he seems to know a lot about all of this stuff you know and and that's not to say that everybody you know isn't invested in their own skills and you know their uh, workouts and routines and stuff like that but darvish has talked about this stuff uh, a good bit and publicly so it's it's interesting to sort of be able to follow along with him and watch how he goes about his off season and you know certainly this off season recovering uh, from an injury and he looks good so you know I, I know that not everybody is is super excited to be on this, like, is Darvish healthy? Like, what's he going to do, you know, to be on that train again? Um, But I I think to be in a position where we're heading into spring training, he looks healthy, he's been throwing with regularity, you know, so last year when he got in trouble with the injury, you know, we saw him throw and then a, you know, report would come out not too far after that he wasn't feeling right or, you know, they were delaying it or, you know, he wasn't going to make it back. You know, he's been throwing this offseason and everything seems to be going according to plan. So, you know, again, I I think... expectations are are tempered just because of how last season unfolded. But again, you know, I think in the rotation that he's in with the other names that are in there, I I, I don't think there's going to be, you know, a a sizable amount of pressure for Darvish necessarily. And I would think that he's going into this with, uh, uh, you know, a, a very, you know, metaphorical chip, not a literal one, Brendan, not a physical don't, don't one. Don't worry that. about this chip. Come on. Come uh, but on. on his shoulder. And it's just nice to see, I, I guess my point is, it's just <laughs> nice to see him progressing with this, sharing with the fans that he's throwing and making this progress, excited for the season, feeling good. The stuff looks good. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching him get out there. You know, similarly to Hagerty, just in the sense that it would be a really good story. I think that if you're a Cubs fan, not rooting for you, Darvish, to just come out there and silence a lot of his harshest critics, um, I'd be surprised because I, I think that's something that I'm most looking forward to the the potential of that as as we head to this season. Is is you, Darvish, uh, really kind of sticking it to those who? You know, not that we're necessarily disappointed with him. I think that's fair, um, but that we're you know saying some you know rather unfair things about him and his his mental capacity for all of this and you know his toughness and stuff like that. And there really just seems to be a contingent of of, of Cubs fans that uh, 
are kind of enjoying, you know, kind of relishing in his failure for some reason. So I, I'm really looking forward to him having a chance to go out there, be healthy, and and be a, a valuable pitcher for this team that they need him to be. Uh, because I, I think he can do that. I think he will do that. Uh, and I think that he suffered a, a lot of pretty harsh, unjust criticism. I mean, you Darvish right now for me, Corey. He he's my biggest follow for the 2019 season. I want nothing more than Darvish to come out right away in April, throw 95 on average, get those whiffs, be healthy, and shut everyone up. Again, we we've gone about this ad nauseum at this point, but. He just was treated so unfairly last year, and he's a significant part of this team going yeah. forward. A five, well, it's going to be five more years, a six-year contract, Theo imagined him to be a significant part of this core. Right. So we're forgetting that, and I, and I just was so disheartened how the Chicago media treated him last year, and to be honest, even some fans, how they treated him on Twitter, I hated it. So for me, going into 2019, of all the stories to follow, Darvish will be number one on my mind. And for what I expect out of him, I'm going to be honest with you, those types of injuries concern me, especially because Darvish has had a history of elbow injuries with the Tommy John surgery. So it does scare me. I'm not going to go out and say, yeah, he's going to be back to his you know pre-injured self. To be honest, I don't know. And once spring training comes around and he gets that first start, and when he goes to even uh, Arizona's facility where they have TrackMan set up, we'll be able to figure out how he's looking. And if he's throwing 91, 92, I'm going to have a little bit of an anxiety attack. But we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. And by the way, this spring, follow the Cubs and your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food, Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. Follow your baseball team across the state. Within about 15 to 30 miles, you can get all 15 MLB teams. You can go up to all their games. The weather is beautiful that time of year, 75 degrees on average. I'm telling you, I lived in Arizona. I went to college there. I went to spring training every weekend. Swear to God, every weekend. You got to go out and see it. There's so much to do besides going to the games. You can go check out amazing restaurants and bars nearby, including tons of craft breweries like Four Peaks, Angels Trumpet Alehouse, and Goldwater Brewing Company. Explore the Arizona outfield in addition to just the baseball stadiums. You can go hike Squat Peak, Pinnacle Peak. You can go hiking, biking, do Jeep tours, hot air balloons, whatever you want to do, you can do it there. It's, again, that time of year for you Chicago folks when it's negative 55 degrees. Guess what? You can make a plane right out there four weeks from now. Beautiful weather. So plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. Visitarizona.com slash spring training to plan your future trip. So yeah, Corey, that, that's that's where I'm at with Darvish. Um, Unfortunately, I think Cole Hamill's pickup of $20 million was directly influenced by Darvish's injury. Um, and I think if Darvish had a healthy year in 2018, we would have had more flexibility going forward in this offseason. But that's the nature of the situation. But if he's able to come back in 2019, look healthy, give the Cubs value, it's going to drastically change how they progress in future offseasons what they can do financially, and that would be a big deal for the Cubs, not just in 2019, but future years as well. 
Yeah, and I think you touched on on that kind of last point I wanted to make, which was, you know, there there's been certainly speculation, and it, you know, if you connect all of the dots, that Darvish's contract, Chatwood's contract, Hayward's contract, etc., you know, kind of limited the flexibility, like you said. And if you yeah, were hoping absolutely. for Bryce Harper, you know, it kind of seems we don't necessarily have a hundred percent confirmation, but there there was some allusion to this specifically uh by Theo and and I think Tom Ricketts over the convention weekend, you know, that that those contracts prohibited a Bryce yeah. Harper Manny Machado situation. So you know and just to jump in just to jump yeah, in there course. too. And like when Theo talked about signing Darvish last year Again, I keep saying this, but Darvish, the the actual signing didn't prohibit them from going after Harper. I'm not saying you're saying that. What prohibited them potentially was Darvish's injury because it made them go out and get Cole Hamels back, right? right. But if that never happened and you're looking even at, at, at Kinsler, right, with that $5 million option, you combine that with Darvish, that's $26 million or rather $25 million of free space they would have had this offseason. You make one trade, like Zobris, for example, you clear $37 million overall. That gives you Bryce Harper. So the Darvish deal didn't prohibit the Cubs from doing that. The bullpen failure prohibited them from doing that. And Darvish's injury, Chatwood's complete disastrous year, that were the deciding factors, not Darvish. And I keep, um, again, Corey, I'm not saying you're saying that, mm-hmm. but I keep hearing that. And that 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 frustrates me because that was never the case. And Theo even mentioned that would not be a case going forward. It's the injuries and just the the failure of the bullpen in the second half of last year. Yeah, I, I didn't mean that that specifically. I just meant that, you know, of course, that's where a large chunk of the money went. And, yeah. you know, you can't reverse that, right? But what I was just going to say is that, you know, if it, assuming they don't end up with Harper or Machado and that, you know, this is kind of the group that we're looking at, save maybe a few more bullpen additions, you know, the, the key to kind of changing that narrative is that Darvish can be healthy and he can be a very valuable member of this team, which sort of changes that whole situation. And 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 kind of like you were alluding, I don't think anyone would look at a situation where you Darvish was healthy and performing. I'm saying this year, obviously, if you go back to last year, a lot of dominoes maybe don't fall and things are different. But this year, you know, hopefully you don't care as much that the Cubs don't have Bryce Harper because they have a very strong rotation that you Darvish yeah. is a a big factor in. And so and that's, let's not forget about that, too. If you, right. you, you you look at Darvish and you combine him with uh, Cole Hamels repeating last season, guys, that rotation is probably, if healthy, the best in the National League. I say that with no hesitation whatsoever. I'm expecting Hendricks to go out and do what he does. Lester has given us no reason to be dramatically concerned about his uh, potential value. That I'm telling you, that rotation, right. and you have depth with Montgomery, with those AAA pieces coming up, like Albert Alzole. By the way, that was phenomenal pronunciation on my part. I, I think there's a lot to be excited about. And there's also some hesitation. I get the injury concerns, but if what we're seeing continues to happen with Darvish being healthy, Lester continuing to be healthy, Hendricks continuing to be himself, this is going to work out to be one of the better rotations. And I'm reminded of last season going into the year, we were having legitimate discussions of whether that rotation would be better than 2016. Not just you and me, Corey, but even Theo, 
when he was talking to the score, those were realistic questions. And along the lines with injuries, that went away. And I think right. if everyone comes back healthy, continues to do what they were doing, those discussions come back up. I know it's crazy to think about, but I genuinely believe that. Right. And I, and I, and I think my overall point was just that, you know, we currently look at this situation, especially with how this offseason has played out, you know, like you were saying, that, that a big portion of the narrative is that, you know, Chatwood, Darvish, et cetera, cost the Cubs an opportunity at Bryce Harper or something like that, which again, you know, is a, a longer, more intricate situation. But as we currently look at this situation, we look at Darvish and Chatwood as basically valueless. And I guess my point is, it doesn't have to be that way. Darvish can be healthy and he can be a very good starting pitcher for this team, which would really drastically, I think, change how a lot of people look at all of this. Uh, money situation and just the overall status of the Cubs payroll. Like if Darvish is a top of the rotation pitcher, not necessarily saying, you know, he's going to go put out a Jacob deGrom season or something like that, but a solid top of the rotation starter for this team, that's a a big deal and, and would really be a drastic shift from, you know, obviously what we saw last year. And just, I think the, the general perception of those contracts and what their value is. Because I think right now people perceive it as, you know, what is it between the the two, just, just Darvish and Chatwood, what is that, like 35, 38 million dollars, something like that? Yeah, was it right? 13 plus 20? It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's perceived and correctly from last year as valueless, as basically a return of zero. And it, and it does not have to be that and it shouldn't be that. So I guess that's yeah. what I'm looking forward to is the opportunity for Darvish to kind of flip that situation on ahead and kind of remind people that while it didn't work out, and I know some people, it didn't work out last year, and I know some people had, you know, different plans for this offseason, we can still get a lot of value out of this and, and you know, see that this is still a, a big opportunity for the Cubs. That's that's what I'm trying to convey here yeah. too. It, again, I'm not saying yeah, Darvish is going to come back and be that former self. I'm not saying that. I'm excited about that. I'm confident he can do that. And if he does do that, it changes the script completely. Yeah. And you can make the argument that if he comes back and KB comes back healthy, that is all the Cubs need. And I, I've I've made that argument. I think it's fair. I think you add in a healthy Darvish, you add in a healthy Chris Bryant. You know, Javi continues to be this type of player. We'll see about that. And everyone remains, quote unquote, healthy. The Cubs are probably the best team in the National League again. I, I, I just truly think the, the end of the season with what Theo said, with how September ended, with how Milwaukee was on fire those last three weeks, it soured our future expectations for the Cubs. And to some degree, that's a shame because this is still probably one of the healthiest franchises in baseball. I still think that from a financial perspective, despite this year, from a developmental perspective, they have interesting prospects coming up. They're going to be right back in those top 100 prospect discussions in the next year or two. There's still so much to be excited about. And yeah, man, I just, again, I'm kind of ranting here, but if if Darvish and KB are healthy, there is a lot to be excited about for the 2019 season. Yeah, so... Just a, a quick thing, and we'll kind of get into this, I think, a lot more when we are 
really previewing the season and you know towards the end of spring training and whatnot but there there was a couple things the MLB network has been doing uh some some lists and and questions you know via social media and you know they have their their shredder that does the rankings and 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 whatnot and just a just a couple of uh things I was curious about the the, the first question that they asked and they did list you Darvish as a you know, potential answer. Uh, but the first thing that they asked was, who do you think is a dark horse candidate for the National League Cy Young? Again, they had, you know, several guys on there um, and Darvish was included. Uh, I was just curious if anyone on the Cubs jumped out to you, Brendan. I, I think, you know, obviously going into the season thinking that Darvish would win a Cy Young, to, a little crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm optimistic, but that's yeah. pretty crazy, um, yeah. especially considering Jacob deGrom won the Cy Young last year with, what, a one and a half ERA? So like the bar yeah. is pretty high right now um, for yeah. what an NL Cy Young really means. Um, but any, you know, and maybe Darvish, but, but anybody jumping out to you in the Cubs rotation. I answered from the Cubs insider Twitter, but I, I'm curious to see what you think right off the bat. Yeah, Tyler Chatwood. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to cut that audio and isolate it and pretend that, you know, it wasn't said ironically. Um, man, that's so disappointing. Uh, realistically, honestly, I think Hendricks probably has the best chance. Nothing against your boy, John Lester, but I think if the Cubs are... It depends how the year works out, but I can see Johnny getting more of a break given his age, whereas Lester is still in the prime. I can see him getting 190 to 210 innings, and I am excited. I always go into the year expecting Hendricks to do something different, and he always makes these like small little tweaks, but I'm still waiting for him to utilize that curveball more. We've seen it in the second half of last year. He's worked with Hadavi. He even quoted that. In one of his most recent interviews, I, I still have high hopes for Hendricks, man. And I think he was so close in 2016. I think his velocity coming back to where we expected it last year was encouraging. The changeup is still good. He's still healthy. I, I would probably give Hendricks the nod out of anyone on that group. But with that being said, I don't expect it to happen just because of the innings. But Darvish probably has the highest potential given five pitches most of which have above average whiff rates. He's, as Theo described, the premier strikeout pitcher of his generation. I just don't expect Darvish to get to that level just because they may be cautious with his innings. So with that being said, yeah, I think Hendricks probably has the highest or the most likely chance to win a Cy Young right now for the Cubs. Yeah, that was who I answered from the Cubs Insider Twitter account. And really, it's just because I think he fits the mold of what a true dark horse is. He's just a guy mm-hmm. that continually doesn't get the respect that he deserves. And, you know, I think it was um, maybe Bleacher Nation that tweeted out the, you know, just a reminder the other day that, you know, since he's been in the league, he has like the ninth lowest ERA uh, in the national league, or it might've even been the majors, but it's, and you know, the way that I, I remember, I think it was going into last year on like the, and he's not the best fantasy player for sure, but just in, in one of the fan graphs, uh, rankings for, for pitchers, he was way, you know, near like past 50, maybe even closer (laughs) to a hundred on their ranking list. And, you know, even when you read, I think some more casual Cub fans, I think they don't give Kyle Hendricks the respect that he deserves and they don't really uh, 
trust that he's actually as good as he really is. And then, you know, that a lot of the numbers would, would suggest that he is. So I think he just represents like the true definition of a dark horse, you know, throwing, uh, as slow as he does and, and relying on changing speeds as much as he does. I just think he's never going to get the, the respect that he really deserves for just how good he is. Um, but like you said, his biggest problem is always going to be, uh, that he doesn't necessarily rack up the innings like some of these other guys. And he doesn't, uh, punch guys out at a rate, you know, of someone like Max Scherzer or things like that. Um, cause he's obviously uh, very content to get a lot of soft contact as well as getting strikeouts. Which, which brings down his, or rather brings up his fit, right. which, you know, you go to fan graphs, you go to a lot of the quote unquote advanced baseball websites. They always ding Hendricks for that. And if you look and consider that quality of contact, that's been consistent throughout Hendricks' career. He induces soft contact, and he's always outperforming his FIP. And that, I think, is just going to be a, a continuing thing for him going forward. Yeah. But I do think that also knocks him down from, of course, again, the quote-unquote advanced baseball fandom community. And it's something that is very deliberate. And I, you know, obviously you can't. It's tough for a, a metric or a, a statistic to really capture this. But, you know, I think for all of us that have watched Kyle Hendricks over the years, you know that this is deliberate. You can tell when he gets a guy to swing at a pitch that he wanted them to swing at because they can't right. really do much with it. And they, you know, dribble it back to him or dribble it uh, in front of Wilson or to Rizzo, whatever. It's, you know, I think not something when you're watching the games, you, you definitely don't think it's by accident. You can tell that he's maneuvering the strike zone and changing speeds and using his, uh, uh, you know, ability to throw with such accuracy uh, to induce exactly the swings that he gets a lot of the times. And Brendan, you're more of the numbers guy, but I, I think it might be difficult for a formula to account for the fact that Kyle Hendricks knows Javi Baez is behind him somewhere. <laughs> Um, cause I, yeah. I think you do need to factor that in. Like I would be trying oh, to get a lot of ground balls if I knew Javi Baez was somewhere in the field behind me. I'd be like, you know what? I don't really need you to whiff, uh, on these pitches. Just hit it to wherever Javi is and we'll be fine. Even Lester said that too last year. Like, yeah, like I'm intentionally doing this, which you can have an opinion about that strategy or whatever, but the numbers are the numbers. Doing that prevents runs for the Cubs. Maybe it doesn't happen on a team like the Diamondbacks or the Reds that don't have as quality defense as the Cubs, but those are the numbers. And you look back at the 2016 year when the Cubs infield consisted of Bryant and uh, mostly Javi and Zobris at second and Rizzo at first and uh, Russell at shortstop. That was the best infield in the league. And that at least for the time being, once Russell comes back from suspension, who knows what they're going to do um, with him. But the the likelihood is with Bryant out there on the field consistently, with Javi either being at shortstop or second base consistently, and Rizzo back at first base, the Cubs probably will have one of the better defenses in the league once again. And before the second half hit last year, the Cubs were on pace to match that 2016 year defensively. Injuries completely messed with them. And that's what happened. But I, I, again, I think if, <laughs> if the rest of the team is healthy, it has a trickle-down effect to, to guys like Hendricks and Lester because now they're going to have better defenses on the field and their numbers will improve as a result. Yeah. So the last little thing from the MLB Network that I, I wanted to point out, um, 
was they do these rankings for the positions and and whatnot, and they I think at least Brian Kenny they they use this thing called the shredder, which I am not positive exactly how they define it, but it's basically this you know, quote unquote machine that calculates the numbers and and spits things out in a rankings form, right? It's probably not very important exactly how they do it. It's the MLB Network's thing and they call it the shredder, guys. So I'm this is not, you know, something that we should be taking as gospel. So uh but either way, it spits out these rankings. And they did first baseman. And Brendan, I'll I'll tell you something. If you want to tell me that Paul Goldschmidt or Freddie Freeman are better than Anthony Rizzo. Okay, you look at the numbers. That you're not wrong, really. I, you know, you can make an argument. You can add, uh, you know, uh, the the leadership value and and you know the the defense, especially for first basemen, is one of those things that's you know still a little tough to exactly define and I think rate properly. Um, but you wanted to go with those two guys, maybe even Joey Votto, right? Like I'm fine with that. I think. You know, you, you can have a nice argument about that. They're all very good. They've all been doing it for uh, a, a good period of time, right? They have a, a large sample of being these top of the league first basemen. Here's where I have a problem, Brendan. On this list, their list goes as follows. The MLB Network shredder official list uh, is Paul Goldschmidt, number one, who unfortunately is now on the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, in case you forgot, let me bring you down real quick. Uh Number two is Freddie Freeman, the Atlanta Braves. Number three is Joey Votto, of course, of the Cincinnati Reds. Number four on this list, Brendan, and this is, I'm not kidding either, Max Muncy ahead of number five, Anthony Rizzo. I can't yeah, stand that's for ridiculous. it. Brendan, that's ridiculous. This is slander of Anthony Rizzo's name that I won't tolerate on our airwaves, and it's got to be called out. And it's ridiculous how, look, Max Muncy had a phenomenal season for the Los Angeles Dodgers, but a guy has one year where he puts up, you know, uh, 150 or whatever, WRC plus, whatever it is, with 35 home runs in Dodger Stadium. All of a sudden, he's one of the top five first basemen in the National League ahead of someone like Anthony Rizzo, who has been consistently one of the best players in the league for several years now. It's ridiculous. Come on. And did we learn nothing from the Chris Taylor experience in Los Angeles? Like, you got to repeat this stuff for people to—you can't— Brendan, I'm, I'm getting all flustered here because it's, it's okay, that ridiculous tell. to me. No, you should. You have, Max you have every right to be flustered. ahead of Anthony freaking insane, Rizzo. Corey. I mean, it's I'm reminded. I, I'm like, all I can see when I when I saw this list was the GIF after Rizzo, yep. you know, I dropped was that to, blooper yeah, in the outfield. Yep. We, 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 can we respect Anthony Rizzo, please? Put some respect on the man's name when we're talking about him. And the MLB Network of all places. Like, I, I, I think more of Brian Kenny than to put Max Muncy ahead of Anthony Rizzo. And I will point out that others, uh, you know, Mike Petriello from StatCast, and I think some of the other guys that were on there, I know Jim Tomey was part of the discussion. Not everybody had Rizzo this low. So I I, I do want to point that out. Jim Tomey had Rizzo at four behind the three guys that we've uh, 
already, or no, this is the fans list, excuse me. The fans got this right, putting Anthony Rizzo uh, at number four. So I just wanted to uh, point that out. And actually, I'm looking at the list, and so did Brian Kenny. So I don't know what the shredder is exactly, but it's not their opinion. Kenny and Tomey had Rizzo ahead, but the shredder says Muncie. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And I'm reminded, and I, this is always in my mind. I always think about this. I always mention it to friends whenever we talk about Rizzo. But in 2013, Fangraphs wrote an article about, you know, just top first baseman in the league at the time. And who has the better chance of being the one of the better first basemen going forward? Guess who was above Anthony Rizzo? It was Mike Adams. Remember Mike Adams, that, that Cardinals first baseman, got traded to the Braves? Where is Mike Adams today? You can't even tell me his last three teams in the last three years. And Rizzo has been 380 to 400 Woba every year, World Series champion, consistent all-star. You know what? He's almost like too boring. He's too boring because he's too good. He has the same season every single year. And <laughs> maybe that's to his detriment, but come on. That's like, get out of there with, with, with Muncie having one good year. Come on. Yeah, and I mean, I by think the consistency, way, especially in this day and yeah. age of baseball where so many guys are changing their approaches, changing their you know launch angles and their swings, you got to see some level of consistency here. And when you're comparing... These guys who, you know, when we're talking about Freddie Freeman, Joey Votto, Rizzo, Paul Goldschmidt, I mean, these are like guys who have been to varying degrees, right? But legit MVP candidates for years at this point. And, right. you know, you throw Max Muncie in there. I mean, get out of here <laughs> with that. I mean, like, what? Come on. Yeah, it's, 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 so, it's so disrespectful. And for some, like, I don't get this, but for some reason, I feel like just the Cubs as individual players as a whole across the board, they're always disrespected. I mean, we've seen even with KB when he was winning MVPs, like there were a large portion of fans who think that was just the wrong decision. Yeah. And they continue to say, like, hey, Chris Bryant's overrated. We see that with him. We see that with Rizzo. We see that with Hendricks. We see that with Lester. It's like nonstop. All these guys are always so disrespected. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. I mean, I suppose an element of that is, you know, the Cubs are uh, somewhat of the villain, I guess, at this point, uh, to <laughs> a, like a good that. portion of the league. But it, it, it does seem correct that... Uh, Especially some of these guys just do not get the, the the proper respect that they deserve in various circles. But yeah, come on, guys! Like you can't. And again, the analysts seem to understand this. So whoever is the one, you know, putting up the uh, whoever is the one dealing with the uh, the shredder is the one that made the list with Muncie ahead of them. So that that's always interesting when, you know, everybody kind of presenting the situation <laughs> doesn't agree with whatever uh, the, the computer projection system is. But anyway, let's let's respect Anthony Rizzo. He asked us very nicely in, in the 2017 playoffs to respect him. And I, you know, I think that we should, Brendan. I think that that's a nice thing to do. Yeah. But other than that, uh, other than that, we don't have anything else to complain about. So <laughs> I think uh, that's a good place to wrap up. But again, folks, uh, I've said this before, but we, you know, we always appreciate you guys sticking with us here. Um, I, I certainly 
hope you all understand that it's never our intention for the main, and this is no offense to uh, to the gentlemen themselves, but I think you guys should know that it's never our intention to bring you in to listen to our podcast where the main subject is Tony Barnett and Luke Hagerty. <laughs> Again, no offense to the two gentlemen. We're rooting for them. Glad to have them in the Cubs organization. But you know, guys, I, I think that we can all agree it's not necessarily prime listening uh, or discussion, but this is where uh, the Cubs and the Major League offseason are. And we, look, again, we are under two weeks. It is literally less than two weeks. Uh, I think it's about nine or 10 days, basically, until Cubs pitchers and catchers must be in Mesa. That is the reporting date. So, Hopefully some of this stuff gets ironed out soon, and while at this point I don't think Brendan and I are expecting it to majorly impact the Cubs uh, directly, obviously it can indirectly as we still wait uh, to see where these guys sign and you know whether they will be joining the NL Central, the National League, uh, or leaving us alone in the American League and you know kind of giving us one less thing to worry about. But we'll... Again, uh, you know, be ready to discuss it if it happens. And, you know, as we get closer to the Cubs playing spring training games and, you know, these guys throwing bullpens and taking BP every day, again, we will uh, get back in that habit of doing two podcasts a week uh, once. Again, it's worthwhile for you guys to be listening to it. Um, We love recording the podcast. We have the time. Uh, But again, you know, we don't want to waste everyone's time, you know, you guys sitting here for an hour on your drive Monday morning, uh, you know, listening to us talk about nothing. So we did our best today. Hopefully hopefully that worked. Um, kind of tipping my hand there. But yeah, so as we get closer to all of this, we will, uh, you know, ramp up the discussion and obviously have legitimate baseball and position battles and, and performances to evaluate and discuss and uh, enjoy. But other than that, uh, we will circle back with you next Monday again, unless, uh, you know, Bryce Harper's contract, you know, his price has gone way down and Theo has indeed been laying in the weeds all of this time. Uh, then we will jump on certainly and, and break something like that down. Otherwise, uh, yeah, we will circle back uh, next Monday, and by that time, we will be, you know, basically right on the cusp of spring training officially beginning. So the off season is almost over, folks. So this is the last kind of uh, bit where you can enjoy. You know, not necessarily worrying about the Cubs every day. If you're someone like Brendan, we basically what I'm saying is we're headed into the area where every day you are filled to the gills with anxiety and worry and fear. Uh, so enjoy the, you know, relax for these, you know, last 10 days or so. Go on a hike. Uh, if you're in Chicago, please stay inside and stay warm. Uh, but just, you know, relax because it's it's almost Cubs season. And I know, at least for Brendan and I, that's uh, ratchets up the stress just a little bit. Oh, man, I, I kind of, to be honest with you, I kind of enjoy the offseason being this slow. I needed a tap out from, <laughs> yeah. from that, the end of the season. I don't know. So. I don't believe you. I think you thrive on on all that goes on during during the Cubs season. I think you thrive on that anxiety. Oh, my God. You do your yeah, best I love, work. I, 
I love seeing Hendricks throwing 84 miles per hour in a May start. That just gives me so much hope. It is you. true, though, Brendan. Our conversations in the offseason are much more boring. You know, we're, we're sort of, you know, it's like we just have like casual, normal conversations. I, I, I long for the days where I wake up to, you know, a string of 10 messages from you. Like, should I be worried about this? Do you think I'm crazy? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, get ready for that because we, uh, we have about eight is, months uh, of that about uh, to happen. Yeah, that is a good way to sort of bring this all full circle is that but you I am enjoy, looking forward. You, you enjoy those episodes where you and I are like, all right, are we, are we ripping into this right now? Like you enjoy those episodes where you're just pissed off and irritated. I don't enjoy doing those. Well, I mean, you know, sometimes you know? Brendan to, to quote Juliana Zobrist, I, I feel alive when, <laughs> when you and I are, are having discussions like that. When the, when the Cubs are in the midst of, uh, yeah. When the Cubs are in the midst of a meaningful season is when I feel most alive as a person, I think. Uh, and I, I think a lot of our listeners would agree with that. So I'm, uh, I'm excited yes. to be, be nearing that time. But as always, we thank you guys for listening, uh, especially, again, this whole off season where basically nothing has happened. So uh, hopefully we've done a good job for you guys in, you know, creating interesting conversations and topics and we've got a few more so we we've got some ideas up our sleeves for uh you know how to how to keep things interesting assuming the cubs are uh still just you know digging through the the bargain bin and and the minor leagues to find uh useful relievers for their bullpen but again we thank you guys for listening hopefully uh how whoever you were rooting for in the Super Bowl, or if you had any prop bets, national anthem length, uh, how many songs Maroon Five plays, things like that. I, I, I hope that uh, the Super Bowl was uh, good to you in in any way that uh, you know you needed it to be. I know Brendan is uh, probably <laughs> amongst those hoping for certain things to happen. Uh, you know, to, to add to his, add to his wallet. So if you're amongst that group, I, I hope I, you know, I can't wish you good luck because you're listening to this after, but I hope it was a prosperous Sunday for you. Uh, again, we will talk to you guys next Sunday. As always, you can find us on iTunes, the Apple Podcasts app, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, etc. Uh, we still see those five-star reviews and the comments on the iTunes store coming in. As always, we appreciate those. It helps the podcast get a little more visibility to those, uh, you know, searching through the iTunes store for something to listen to. Uh, so we certainly appreciate you guys taking the time to do that. I went through and read some of them and it, it really, I, it's like, I look around and I'm like, I can't believe I'm reading it. The, the, the amount of nice things that you guys have said, uh, and that you genuinely enjoy listening to us, look forward to listening to us. It, it truly blows my mind. I think Brendan's too, uh, that, anybody <laughs> enjoys listening to the two of us talk. So uh, let alone taking the time to type that out. We we really do appreciate that. It's rather humbling. Um, and yeah, we thank you guys for, for taking the time out of your day to do that. Uh, so again, we're heading towards spring training. We'll, we'll be talking to you guys with more frequency soon. Uh, but until then, we will see you guys again next Monday. Thank you for listening, and whether they are playing or uh, all their stuff is just on a truck to Mesa, go Cubs.
Our homes today are like little cities full of different internetic boroughs, like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage. And Xfinity Internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the spa. Xfinity Internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Find great offers and value today from Xfinity. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more. Restrictions apply. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.